Charlie Gladstone here. Welcome to my Mavericks podcast, or welcome back. It really means a great deal to me that you have joined me. Today's conversation is with someone who I regard as a true maverick, and that is the broadcaster, author, and champion of all things homemade and craft-based, Kirsty Allsop. Kirsty is, I think, the very definition of a maverick because she does things extremely well, but truly on her own terms, and has followed uh, a career path which, as she reveals, was perhaps not what she or her family anticipated. Uh, uh, so I think that she's a very fitting addition to this, and I'm very, very honoured that she agreed to speak to me. Um, just a little bit of sort of cod psychology here. During the talk, um, we mentioned, or I mentioned, uh, my book, The Family Guide to the Great Outdoors, which my wife Caroline and I did together five years or so ago. And um, I say the book did very badly, and it didn't in fact do very badly. It did really rather well, and we're very proud of it. But um, I'm told that I'm always doing myself down, and so I mustn't do myself down. I don't actually have any idea why I'm always doing myself down. When I was recording one of the editions of this podcast from the Do Lectures, I went around various people and asked them to tell me what they thought of my podcast. But before I asked them, I told them to say that they thought it was crap. And um, I just thought that would be amusing and that it would make it sound as if I didn't like the sound of my own voice too much. And an American cousin of me wrote of mine wrote to me and said um, afterwards that he'd really enjoyed the podcast but I didn't need to worry because my talk at the Do Lectures wasn't that bad, uh, it was just perhaps a little bit boring. So there you go, having persuaded some people to say that the podcast was crap, it turned out that someone thought that it wasn't quite crap but it was a bit boring. Anyway, this is a long-winded attempt to try to talk myself up a bit and perhaps um, try and move away from my low self-esteem so my book was not rubbish and it didn't do badly but anyway back to the main subject Kirsty Allsop uh, very good of Kirsty to give me the time she was as usual incredibly busy she just finished um, at the end of the week before filming her Christmas special um, she just dropped the children off to school she'd been to a meeting she came to see me she was heading off to another meeting then she was heading up to the Cheltenham Literary Festival and then up to Scotland to film more um, programmes. So I was very, very honoured to um, have Kirsty talking to me. I really do think that Kirsty is one of our kind of national treasures and simply, really, I think entirely because of her extraordinary individuality. But anyway, without any further ado, um, let's open the conversation with Kirsty Allsop. Actually, let's go right to the beginning. Yes. Um, I mean, did you have any idea that you were going to become a sort of media uber force or even a TV presenter? No, nothing. No. Nothing. The only thing that, looking back on it now, is that there must be something there because my father was, is, a very successful auctioneer. So there was some kind of performing thing in that respect. Mm. And, but, but... Other than that, nothing. There's no history of any kind of thing in my family. Nobody's ever done anything. It never occurred to me I would do... In fact, I was very much, you know, it was very much 
a disapproved of thing in certainly what, TV was... any, any kind of thing which brought you to public attention was just not something that was a good idea because it, yeah very un-British and very yeah, Im- exactly yeah, yeah. immodest yes and, and the yeah. whole thing so when I and I remember when I was working at Country Living magazine and there was a stage when I felt that I wanted to move to another magazine I said to my dad you know I could go to Harper's and he was like no you know there's those society columns they do in Harper's that kind of stuff is embarrassing you wouldn't want to you know play any part in that but there was a love of interiors and yes. and, and kind of objects oh that and, was and totally obviously... obsessive so so the whole thing with a combination of property interiors uh going to see houses you'd never go on holiday without going to see houses everywhere you went on holiday you'd think about buying a house there you know if it's Greece or Spain or France there was always a possibility you would always go to the local estate agent and have a look and you would always constantly be going to markets and brocans and flea markets and auction houses and always, always, all the time. And now you that. have now you have Ben in your life. And now who I is, have who you call your boyfriend, I think. Yes, I do. Yes, but he, he he is a fantastic collector with a mother who has got yes, amazing so, taste. So, so maybe you're replicating something. So there, but... totally replicating something. And we had a funny incident about two years ago with one of the children. We were in an antique shop in Honiton, near where we live in Devon, and uh, my son Bay picked up a paperweight, and my other my stepson collects paperweights. And he said, "Dad, can we leave a bid on this?" And and Ben said, "Oh." It, this is a shop, you know, have a look and see how much it is. We might be able to buy it. And Bay shouted across the shop to his brother, guess what, Oscar? It's a buy now shop. <laughs> okay, so, so he hadn't really was... understood that antiques were in shops. <laughs> so he basically thought, you know, so their whole life of, is of, like this on Saturday morning, this Saturday, there's a there's an auction in Honiton. You go to the auction and you leave bids and you see whether you get the things. So Ben went to the auction, left some bids and then picked up something that he'd bought a month ago. So I don't know whether that's good for the children in terms of deferred gratification. I doubt it. I mean, my children are appalling shopholics. So when they were at the Good Life Festival, I think my son Oscar bought 11 cacti. And uh, and probably numerous knives. Yeah, knives and are always always the thing they buy. Thing. I know they that. buy that. Yeah. And so so um, Ben calls. I, there's a, obviously an um, amazing guy who um, makes knives, and I'm ashamed I don't know his name. He's but, called Alex Pohl. Yeah, he's uh, yes. a blacksmith, and, and yeah. he's referred to by Ben as that poor man the children stalk. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, he's he's very very cool. I mean, yeah. he's a real proper blacksmith, and he's absolutely huge. So just going back to the, the television thing, I mean, obviously, you know, it was frowned on and you... And you, you yes, I mean, you, my parents were brilliant about it when it happened. No, but I, I, I mean, as a concept. As a concept. I yeah. would never have said, I'm going to go and be a television presenter. I did this company with, not with Phil, with another friend of mine called Miranda, and we were finding flats for people and we were very happily doing it. And Jonathan Friedland of The Guardian wrote a, a, a lovely article about the work we'd done for him. And... Um, a television production came and said, can we do Fly on the Wall? And I said, no. We both said, no way. Well, so you were, you were essentially being a, a location finder. Finder, for yeah. In kind and of, that's, yeah. that's what we did. And someone said, can we do a Fly on the Wall? And we said, no. And then six months later, someone else came along and said, we want to do a television show from the perspective of the finder because they couldn't work out whether it should be the buyer, the seller, the agent, the lawyer, the uh, you know surveyor. And so I said yes. My partner said no. They paired me up with Phil. We did the pilot 
And we did think they were going to get proper presenters to make the show. They were paying us £600 a day for the pilot, and it was a hell of a lot of money. It's a hell of a lot of money then. Yeah. Now, yeah. never mind then, 18 years ago. Um, so we did the pilot. We enjoyed it. We said, oh, we can't give up our businesses. So for the first two years, we filmed at the weekend. So every other weekend, we made location, location, location. And then eventually, they said they wanted to make eight shows in eight weeks. And I said, I can't do that unless I give up my business. And I'm not giving up my business unless I have a long-term contract. So was the, was the, was the, the programme was already on? By then on it by was. Then. I think that was the third series, yes. And suddenly, I don't, I've never known Channel 4 commissioned a show which got dropped or got lost or something. And they thought, oh, we'll fill that slot with location, 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 but we need eight shows made in eight weeks. Okay. And so then I did it, and then I was a television presenter. I mean, it, so do you think that your success is partly down to the fact that you have always therefore been yourself on television? So I, I was thinking about you earlier today or yesterday evening and thinking that you've become a kind of, you're a sort of national treasure. Uh, well, that, that's not a bad thing, is it? No, it's not a bad thing. I mean, you it's know, not something... But I mean, you're, if I you're start very talking in the third person, Charlie, we've all got problems. Yes, no, absolutely. <laughs> what I mean is that I think that you you bring you you're um, you seem to me to be an unbelievably honest person, and you bring you don't you don't put on any kind of persona for TV. Is that right? Do you think? Well, I have a pathological fear of you. You pick up a newspaper. There's a certain daily newspaper that we all know that. We have poppy, tall poppy syndrome in the UK. It's very much, you build people up and then you mm -hmm. tear them down again. Mm. And we all have a, a fear of this big national newspaper and what it might say about us. So I have gone through my entire TV career telling journalists the truth. Right. For fear that if you don't, it will all go completely By the truth. Well, just you mean being yourself? Being or what yourself, you but and also... What I, I always do interviews at home. I never pretend that I'm something I'm not. There's a lot of artifice in telly, a lot of amazingly brilliant people who are being very truthful, but there are a lot of people who are trying to create a persona which is their brand, and there might be some disparity between the reality and the persona. Yes. And I've, I never forget, there's a, there's a very popular and much-loved TV explorer who once built an igloo and crawled into it and then was filmed the next morning crawling out of it. But in fact, he stayed the night in a hotel. And that's my yes. kind of great horror. Because you're, going, because you're going to be caught out, you think? Because you could be caught out. Yeah. And that would be... It, it's embarrassing enough being in the papers as it is, but being in the papers as a fraud... Would be so. Eighteen years ago, did you? Was that a conscious decision? No, because eighteen years ago, I didn't know that I'd end up doing these interviews. I didn't know anyone would be interviewed in my life. You know, the whole thing sort of came. But it was a, it was a conscious decision after a while that when a journalist asked me a question, I would always give them a straight answer. But also, you don't dress up or modify your views or anything for no. TV. You are. It seems to me that you are the same in normal life as you are on TV. And I, I don't really know if I'm accurate here, but that seems quite unusual to me. Well, I'm very, I'm very fortunate because I work on an unscripted show. So, so location, location is completely unscripted. The, the voiceover obviously is written to suit the timings mm. and then Phil and I will tweak it to suit our... Your style. Yes. Yeah. But the day-to-day the -day show, when we go and stand in front of the cameras, there's no script at all. 
And so we weren't in the habit of being scripted. I think where it's very difficult for entertainers is often they have a script and then suddenly they're shoved in front of a journalist mm. who's a British journalist and wants to kind of peel away the layers and get to the truth. And so I think we've been very lucky in that respect in that also what we're incredibly, both of us, I mean, I shouldn't, when I say we, I don't mean the royal we, I mean Phil and I. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what it is is that we both had these very solid family backgrounds uh, where, and our friends have always stayed the same. Um, so I remember once walking down the street with a great friend of mine and she was sort of going, have I got loo roll on my foot? Or is my skirt tucked in my knickers? And I went, no, no. She was like, are you sure? I said, yes. She said, people are giving me the strangest looks. And I went, I don't know. I can't imagine what that could possibly be. <laughs> and there was no point at which I was going to turn around and say, it might be me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he was like, yeah. Yes, because she had been a friend of mine all my life. She doesn't watch the show. And she doesn't think about she you in those think, terms. She doesn't think no. about me in those terms. She doesn't work in the entertainment industry. It, it doesn't... But there's also a distinction here, which um, I was talking when I did this podcast to Harry Enfield about, which is the distinction between being famous and being a celebrity. And you don't really do that celebrity thing, do you? You don't oh, do parties with cameras and... No, I would. If, if I, I mean, I'm sure they're fun. It's just that, like, tonight there's two things that... But kindly, people have invited me to. But it's the children. I, I just mm. don't. I, I those things happen between six and eight p.m. Yeah. And I'm away a lot, and I like picking up my children from school, and I like doing the homework with them and being here and seeing your other friends at and, school. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. And and I often can't do that. I mean, tonight is the only night this week I'll be able to pick the children up from school. So I'm not going to sacrifice that for. A probably fun, but basically celebrity-led event. But but that but that is so. It's not a game that you've pre- no, deliberately no, no, decided no, it to is de- avoid. It is, it is very much that we live in Devon at the weekends, so I never do anything at the weekends. Uh, I'm away filming most of uh, often in the week, and therefore when I am here, I'm here. Mm. And so if I do do something, it has to be in support of a friend. So if you were bringing out a book, Charlie, I would be there. That's but. But, I'm not going to bring out another no, book. The last no, one was such yeah. a disaster. <laughs> but it's, it's, it has to be a very specific yes. event where I say to the children, this is why I'm doing it. Yes. Um, but also, and they can also then relate to it. They you can, can say, to I'm it. going yes. to the, see the Gladstones yes. or I'm going to do this or yeah. that. Yeah. And yeah. So it's not, again, it wasn't a, a particularly deliberate thing. It, like so many things, it, it just happened that there was something more important. And also with my stepsons, they were only with us two nights a week. So I used to try and organise to work when they weren't with us. And when obviously when they were with us, I wanted to be with them because we didn't see them that mm. much. So you are, so you, you've got now, I mean, obviously you've, you've done endless TV series, you've done books, you've got your own fair, you know, all sorts of things. Do you think that you're blessed with supernatural energy or have you just got the supernatural no, no, enthusiasm? Not, no, I don't. I mean, I was I always sitting, think you have. I was sitting in the bath on Saturday night thinking how much I wasn't blessed with supernatural energy. I think that I... You do feel it. I have to say you, you do feel age creeping up on you. Yeah. And we filmed the Christmas show last week and we filmed it over four days and it's very, very long days and it's quite intense because... 
you've got to get it all done and there are all these competitors and you really take on their stories you know you know they all want to win there's nine competitions and there's amazing person who's who's made this incredible ham- hamper and come all the way from Scotland and you just want them to win but you can see that the other person's going to win and you, you're kind of really feeling living it. that yes and but then, then were you also hosting all of your crew at home at night and then we were no that to be fair I don't cook for them at night okay. there's a catering truck and we just all sit around having a glass of wine so it's okay. it's not too much work but Friday morning everyone's tidying up clearing all the Christmas decorations away putting the house back to normal and I and all the furniture was out of the kitchen and I looked at the kitchen floor and I thought oh it looks a bit dry why don't I polish the kitchen floor and so I went into the back of this cupboard and got out this ancient polisher, which hadn't been used. It was so much dust on it. And I found this tin of polish and I found something to spread the polish around the floor. And I started spreading this stuff over the floor and getting out this ancient machine, which goes boo. And it was actually more of a task than I anticipated. And the smell was gave me such a headache. And... Uh, it took quite a long time. And then you want to do a really good job. <laughs> you want to do a really good job. Yeah. And then I couldn't work out why I wake up on Saturday morning, my back really hurt. And it was because I didn't realise the polisher had an extender, so I was bent double over okay. it. And it was halfway through the project before I realised that you twisted a little And you were kind of exhausted anyway. Yes. And that's, that's my fault. That's just stupid. And people who work for me do look at me in a slightly sort of baleful way and think blithering idiot so do you have this sense now that your energy is is born of enthusiasm that you've got this amazing i mean you've got an opportunity which won't last forever no and but you've also got you know there's so many things that you can put your hand to now is it quite hard to say no to projects no because of the time and the children so Mm. it's very constricted if it's not if it's not in the school term if it's not monday to friday it doesn't happen. Right, okay. So I look at, I, I look at someone like Jamie Oliver or, um, uh, you know, a lot of the sort of men who do similar things to me where they, where they started in one industry and it's transferred into television plus that industry. Endless, yeah. Yeah. And I look at them and I think, firstly, I think no one asks you who's looking after your children, which is difficult. No one ever says to Jamie Oliver, do you iron your own sheets? It doesn't occur to them that he does and they don't mind whether he does or he doesn't. Mm. So they have an easier life in that respect. Oh, yeah, definitely. And also, when I look at Phil Spencer of the morning, I think, God, you wear the same suit, the same shoes, the same coat and no one notices it and you have a uniform and it's perfectly easy for you to pull it and it's not in any way fashion-led and you have not had to blow dry your hair this morning or put any makeup on your face. And you've just, you know, strode out of the hotel. Mm. And that's it. Yes. And also, I remember once sitting with him, we were filming and we were both going skiing the next day. And I said, um, uh, oh, which airport are you going from? And he went, oh, I don't know. And I went, well, which airline are you flying? And he went, oh, I've no idea. And I went, what? Part of this ski holiday have you organised? Oh, no, I do the mortgage, the bins and the cars. Oh, goodness, he sounds a bit and, like and, Theresa May. And I just, <laughs> I mean, I love him to death, but I did think, oh, my God, here am I th- sitting here thinking, you know, 
all about the flights and all about this and all about that. And don't get me wrong, I have loads of help. No, but this is why this is why I'm asking you about supernatural energy because I mean I do I I, I, to, I totally hear what you're saying and. Um, being married to an energetic and and highly driven woman myself, yes, I mean, I, I I you know I know, you know what goes on about, behind about Caroline is that I one day we we were having lunch with friends and I suddenly realised that we had someone to come and help cook over New Year and I hadn't heard from her and I suddenly thought, oh my god, did I ever confirm that she was coming? And I was in the car going, I can't find Sue's number. I don't know whether she's coming. We've got twenty people to stay. If she's not coming. I'm in real I'm trouble. Yeah. And Ben said, Caroline Gladson would have never let this happen. <laughs> I think it's true. And, <laughs> and, and I said to him, don't ever, ever say that again. Yes, yeah, not fair. <laughs> Mind you, having said that, Caroline spent a large chunk of her life dedicating her time 100% to the children and yes. being constantly put down by men at dinner parties and things who just thought that was literally the most sort of pointless thing you could ever do. But so I mean, I find, we, she and I have had that conversation and I do find that extraordinary. And I, my, my sister, until she's now just about to come a florist, but she has spent the last five years dedicating herself to the care of her children. And she, I've really seen it through her eyes. And I wish there was a phrase um, where when people said, what do you do, you could say, I'm raising the next generation of doctors yes. and, and... And by the way, it's far and away the most difficult thing I'll ever uh, do. Do, exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that it is, it's very difficult for my friends who do do that, like my sister. I do say to them, and I had one friend, uh, my best friend really, who worked for Mary Stokes for many years, and uh, she was at Wadham College, Oxford, and she went to her reunion... And, I, and she said, I didn't tell anyone I'd given up work. And I said, Claire, you did a high, really high-powered job for 13 years, but your husband travels for work, you travel for work, and you have two small children. It's simply not possible. You've not given up work. You've taken some time yeah. out to adjust your working environment to suit your family. Yes. But she couldn't go and tell her university yeah that yes that, that's that, that's that is, that's strange but I mean it's exactly what Caroline would experience yeah. you know and and whether that was in her partly in her mind and, and partly reality I suspect more the latter but I don't really know I suspect more the latter I really yeah. do I mean I I I I do and I find myself doing it the awful thing is that I do it I sometimes meet women and don't ask what they do for fear that they well, well, they may feel slight. I think, I think partly because you know, I know what a committed mother, stepmother you are, and they, as well as a sort of you know, super successful. So they may feel slightly kind of but overwhelmed also, by you. Well, I have the very fortunate thing is that Ben works for himself. is ten years older than me and has worked incredibly hard for a long time. And is, I mean, he he hasn't taken his foot off the gas, but he's 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 sort of altered the car so it suits him a little better, mm. let's say, put it that way. You've dedicated a big part of your life to um, the promotion of things that are handmade and of craft. Yeah. And, and that's obviously something that's of serious interest to me. Where, where, does, that, where does that come from? Uh, I, my, one of my first jobs when I was 20 was to work on Country Living magazine. And um, I 
uh, was the one who would see things come in. You know, people would send in things they'd made. And um, there was a section of the magazine called Magpie every month, which was sort of comments about. And I believe on many, many levels. First of all, I believe that handling, wearing, having in your house, being around things that are made by hand is incredibly important. You can, it, it, it's something you can feel. Um, but I also believe that making things brings back control of your environment, which is something that we have lost these days. And that the link between your hands and your mind and the calm that you can regain by making something is staggering. It is. And, you know, we've, we've found this extraordinary thing at the Good Life Experience where people are prepared to come, spend several hundred quid, camp, and then invest three hours in carving a spoon. Yeah. And what that illustrates to me is that there is a really profound need to do that. Very, very, And it's very, much yeah. more meaningful than anything else. And yeah. So do you get the sense of having promoted, you know, homemade and homemade Christmas and homemade things, that people are really seeing that through? Christmas is a particularly good excuse for getting out the scalpel, the card, the glue, mm. the wool, the, the needle, whatever it is. There's all sorts of ways you can do things yourself. And I love that because I think that leads people onwards. So they think about doing things for Christmas and then they enjoy that they've, they realise they've so enjoyed making that ceramic Christmas decoration that actually they might then go and do another course yeah. and make yeah. a pot. Yeah. And that, that, I mean, there's all sorts of research done on this. You, I mean, art... Flow is like meditation. There's it no does. question about it that. It is I mean, extraordinary. It, yeah. I mean, yeah. On, yeah, on Saturday, so we had someone, we were filming the Christmas show last week, we had someone who had this carrot and cardamom jam. And the last time I'd had, that was in Morocco years ago, a sort of delicious, sweet carrot pudding. And I just thought, I'm going to try that. So I looked up various recipes... And then I just spent Saturday afternoon grating carrots and, you know, putting all the stuff together. And, and then we ended up, me and, and my stepson Hal, we ended up with eight golden jars of this carrot and cardamom jam, mm. which is delicious. But it was just the whole thing. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because cooking has obviously become, you know, a, a, a serious pastime and a very yeah. sort of, you know deep in our culture again, having not been until no. cookery shows no. and cookbooks. But it doesn't feel to me yet like other crafts have really caught on. I mean, crafts can range from blacksmithry to making you know, think, Christmas cards. Maybe. I think they are getting there. I think knitting is getting there, all sorts of things. And I think what happens is when people realise that you can do fun things, I mean, Oscar's got this incredible collection of cactuses, but at the handmade fair at Hampton Court, there was someone selling crocheted cactuses. Mm. Just, yeah. I mean, they're just brilliant. Yeah. You know, it's a cuddly cactus. What's not to like? But someone had sat, it's quite skilled because each one was different and they were just but so But he organic. or she has made them just for the love of it as yes. well. I assume they probably couldn't care less if no, no one, and it's gratifying if someone yes. buys them, but actually but, the joy is in having them. Yes. And yeah. so Oscar has his, Cacti there, and Dan says in his bedroom he has two small pots with, and the ceramic pots. A real pot, a lovely. Kind of think as well that, it, that the long-term impact of this might be that people make slightly more conscious decisions about certain things they buy. Yes. And I'm not, you know, I'm clearly talking about certain middle-class pro problems or middle-class yeah. things here, but 
you know, if people start to think in the right way, the next time they buy a pair of jeans, they might actually think, you know, I want to get some that are made with, you know, with, with the person who made them yes. being paid properly uh, and all that but sort also, of stuff. Also, I, th- I, I have that thing where I believe in colour and pattern and style, but I don't believe in fashion. I believe in keeping something for a long, long mm. time and I keep all of my clothes for a long, long time. And that thing of knowing how it's made, where it came from, environmentally and in terms of social responsibility, it's incredibly important. My jeans are made in Wales, and I can honestly tell you that they, they mean something, it means something yeah. quite profound to me. I, I don't care if anyone else thinks they're nice jeans or not. No, but it makes a difference, uh, yeah, yeah. it really does. And, and, and I think that really matters. Um, one of the things that amazes me about you is you don't seem... And I may be wrong, but you, you don't seem in any way frightened of social media. I mean, you, you really call a spade a spade. And do you, uh, have you got a very I think thick the skin? Dishwash- no, the washing machine in the kitchen incident did scar me. That, that's that a, was what? That was, a, the, well, I, I, my parents lived in New York before they had me. And in America, however small your apartment you do not have the washing machine in the kitchen. So you might have a kind of micro kitchen, but your washing machine will be in a cupboard in the hall. Right, okay, yeah. And the whole association of washing and cooking and eating is just... just not the same. It's not the same. And that's the case in France, Holland, Germany, Italy, all over the world. We are literally the only country where they have washing machines in the kitchen. Okay, that's interesting. And I've always known that. And I didn't know that. And I always thought it was peculiar to have a washing machine in the kitchen. And I was on social media and someone said, isn't it odd, Americans don't have egg cups, black currants or plug-in kettles. They don't do boiled eggs, so they have no need for egg cups. And they don't have plug-in kettles because electricity is different and they don't have black currants. And, and then this guy said, but before you think that's weird, you lot have washing machines in the kitchen, it's disgusting. And I retweeted saying, I quite agree, disgusting. My life's work is in part dedicated to getting the British washing machine out of the British kitchen. Frivolous, yeah. you know, blah, yes. blah, blah. Oh my God, the heaven, you know, it was just like the world. Who does she I, think she is with her yes. massive great kitchen? Yeah, exactly. And it, and it was, A, it was a frivolous comment, but B, actually, I have four boys in my life. That's, you know, four lots of jeans, smelly socks. But you don't need to justify it. No, but, but, but I mean, so the consequence was that you were reviled and was torn that, apart. But this was what was really weird about it. The consequence was that social media went 50 50, as it always does. Mm. So 50% of people said, you're being a snob. Get over it. And 50% of people said, oh my God, I'm from Holland and I've never been able to talk about this. this yeah, is, okay. <laughs> so, which is fine, social media so was So you totally, found that, you, that, that was... No, up. it wasn't social media which scarred me. It was journalists, mostly female journalists, absolutely hopping on and saying, oh my God, Twitter's taking down Kirsty, which it wasn't because Twitter, like it always does, balances it all balances and also out. it evaporates it evaporates and yeah. you can debate and there's humor and there's loads of stuff going on what's difficult about social media is that if you are perceived to have got it wrong the journalists will have you for breakfast and so they kind of feed off social media so that's i if if social media was just within its own Bubble. Yes, but it's it's people digging in to try yes, and get the to dirt try and get on stories because yeah. they use it for stories. Yeah. Um, so I did back off a bit, and 
actually it's been quite a relief to back off a bit. Now I'm kind of gently putting my toe back in the water, um, partly because it's winter and there's more kind of telewatching going on. So Reverend Richard Coles being kicked off strictly was just like, oh, you know, irresistible fun to be So you, could, you, yes. you, you like to get involved in yes, that? Yes, in that. But, but why do you, I mean, so why do you want to comment on that? Just because you like doing it? It's, it's, it's fun interaction. There's okay. quite a lot yeah. of fun in it. Watching telly with that added thing of some And you're talking to your audience as well you're, in a yes, very sort of personal... And, um, you're, and you're there for people. And I think people love that bit of social media that you are... Like we said at the beginning of our conversation... You're only as good as your with with this speech of Theresa May's that everyone is saying is a disaster. I felt that a lot of people actually felt she was more human than they did before, and the fact that she could have this, frankly, hideous mm. hour, mm. which everybody would sympathise with, was a, was something that people felt more human towards. And I think I always feel slightly defensively that. People do think I live in, you know, you know, a castle on the hill, which indeed, metaphorically speaking, I do. Mm. I have this extraordinary privileged life. And actually... Well, you've built it, to be fair. Yes, that is true. Uh, ben and I, I have mean, built yeah. it. Yes. Um, uh, but there is that sense that you... Twitter is a wonderful way of engaging with people it's totally egalitarian. Yeah, and you can you could just chat to people as yeah. it were. Yeah, and that means a great deal to your audience, and does also presumably connect them in. Yes, it, yeah. it means something to me. It mean, it just means you're 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 there. And um, but I also on social media I do fight fights, and I knowingly fight. Yeah, I fights. know, I know that, I'm, and I really I think that's amazing. There are certain things I feel strongly about. There's a sort of to do with. Uh, children and phones and the impact of social media on teenage brains and childbirth and um loads of things and mm. and and i do and it is it is great for that but you have to be careful and be very 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 careful before before you even in joke accuse the british public of doing anything disgusting i suspect i suspect just to round up because i know you've got to go that you 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 have to kind of know that what you're saying is something you profoundly believe and yes. you can defend it y yes and then things will catch you out they, that are just stupid, like the will. washing machine thing. Yeah. You know, you, you'll never protect against no. that. You know, no, it's just... but, but with, I had one, Breakfast Gate was when I said, oh my God, I've just watched this man have I remember a this. large cappuccino, a Coca-Cola, a, a <laughs> ham and cheese croissant and uh, something else for breakfast. No wonder the NHS is yeah. you know, crumbling. And there was a week of abuse. Yes. And then... Well, the idea being that people should be free to get enormously... Um, it, overweight and, yes, and then exactly yeah. and then that's their choice yeah and then it was absolutely a week of abuse and then someone some other person in the public eye tweeted oh my god i've just seen something on a train and then they were everyone was a bit like mm, okay and then it turns and you have to wait it's like surfing but you also have to you, you but you still have to have quite a thick skin i suspect i mean it it must be Pretty brutal. Yes, or, or... I think on a personal level, I have a thin skin. Um, uh, but but I'm sort of... I, I don't know whether I'm completely deluded. I don't perceive myself as tough, but I know 99.9% .9 of the world's population perceive me as tough. I think when so... I see your public persona, I get a sense that 
you know, you are pretty, I, I wouldn't necessarily say tough, but I'd say fearless and perhaps they're the same thing. I think there's a robustness, um, which I probably don't have in my private life. I mean, mm. certainly um, uh, any criticism from Ben absolutely floors me. Mm. Um, and I don't do rows and uh, that kind of thing. Um, uh, but I think, yes, there is a toughness. There must be. Yeah. There must be. It's well, I suppose it's, it's, it's equivalent of determination and drive on some levels, which is a professional thing which doesn't necessarily have to be in the home. Yes, it doesn't. You know, in those, no, it in those in important relationships, no, I mean, people, it's a different thing. Yeah, interviewers always assume that I'm the one that wears the trousers at home. You and step out of that door like the kind of shampoo advert and yes, shake your yeah. hair and you're a different person. Exactly, yeah. and I definitely, I mean, you know this, you know, my personal life is absolutely dedicated to doing things the way that Ben and the children want them done. I know, I know, I know, yeah. And so I'm not the boss at home. Um, uh, but uh, I am quite, probably quite robust outside the home. Um, but not, I hope, in a... Well, I suspect you can't be successful without it, so... There is a, yeah, I did, I occasionally shout at directors. That's, Do you? Yes. I never, never, never shout at junior people ever. To make a better unacceptable. product. But there are times when directors will get all directory about the show. And I am just like, this is about the property search. Yes. And the truth of the property search. And someone said to me the other day, but I need this for my content. And I, and Phil said can't shout at him and I was like I didn't shout at him I just told just him just told him what I thought yeah and if he doesn't like it tough so that's it for today I hope you enjoyed it I really enjoyed this I always say I enjoyed them and indeed I always do enjoy them um, but I did really enjoy that so there you go Thank you very much indeed for listening and thank you very much to Kirsty, of course and to Kirsty's assistant Beth for getting everything together for us and also to my friend Jim Friend for editing. As I pointed out on a few previous occasions I am not very technically minded, I have very little patience and so without Jim and his amazing patience and editing skills this would not exist so thank you to him. But most of all, thank you very, very much to you for joining me and I will see you very soon because I've got some more cracking podcasts in the pipeline. Okay, see you. Bye-bye.